0: are but just to give us a little bit of um, a recap of up to these up to this point here we see that up to this point we're seeing some apostasy take place we're watching the world grow deeper and deeper into sinfulness uh, what we are finding is that there is clearly some sort of sexual issue and perversion. Um, we see as well as Hamilton wrote, uh, whatever the correct interpretation of the passage, the union is illicit for God is provoked. We have gotten to this point where here's what we're finding. God's about to bring an incredible judgment, the literal worldwide great flood of Noah's day, which there will be eight souls only that will be able to enter into the ark. Others could have. However, they would not heed the call of which Noah, who is called a preacher of righteousness, preached. What would he preach? He would preach the same thing that every other preacher of righteousness preached. Repent. Judgment is coming, but God is just and will save you if you turn to him. That, that, is, the, that is the whole thrust of, of Scripture. That is the whole thrust of every true sermon of a man of God, someone who walked with God, knew God. And that is the life of Noah, as we'll see here uh, later on in this chapter. But what we see is as the world is getting worse and worse, we've got essentially a couple of major things in this passage because verses 1 through 4 are essentially setting up for why God is going to judge the world. Now, you and I look at this in verses 1 through 4 and we go, well, what's, what's the big deal? Sons of God are marrying daughters of men. What's the big deal about that? Why is there a worldwide, uh, worldwide flood over, over that? Why is there such a, a world-changing earth? changing calamity over this and we see that one of two things view one presents this sort of idea that either one uh the sons of god are the godly lineage the lineage of seth those who called upon the name of the lord and they begin to intermarry and to marry those who look fair on the outside if you will but they are unfaithful ungodly wicked women and it then causes them to have um a bad lineage it causes then uh, the sort of issues of which God had then later on in Deuteronomy warned his people about. God would later on tell them, when you get into the promised land, you're going to find some. I'm paraphrasing pretty heavy here. But God tells them through Moses, when you get into the promised land, you're going to find some good looking women. Right. He says, but I, I, even though they look good, do not marry them. They will lead you astray to false gods and uh, to idolatry and all these different things. And guess what Israel would do? They would do just that. Now. There is that view, but we addressed a few problems with this sort of thing. Uh, Sort of some questions that have to be asked when we look at it. Why were all the Sethite men godly and all the women of Cain's lineage ungodly? Uh, Also, there's no indication that Seth's line stayed godly, right? Because there's no sinless people up to this point. They're all born in Adam. They're all born sons of Adam. Though there might be a lineage of Cain and Seth, or this sort of spiritual lineage of faithful and unfaithful, what we do find is that they are all born in Adam. To be born in Adam is to be born the same way that you and I were born. It means to be born dead in sins and trespasses. It means to be born with Adam's sin now imputed to our account. This is why Jesus tells Nicodemus, the religious of religious, the smartest of the smart, you must be born again. Why? Because unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We must be born again again. And to be born again means to be born in the second Adam, the true and better Adam. That is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about this, that there was the first Adam who brought sin and death. And the second Adam, Romans talks about this uh, in Romans chapter 5, uh, dealing with this, this idea that the first Adam came and he disobeyed God. He brought about disobedience and sin and death. But the second Adam, Jesus Christ brought, uh, uh, through his obedience, he brought life and and forgiveness of sins. Now, as we come to this, we have been started last week looking at view number two of this idea. And this is that there is some sort of uh, either demons, demon-possessed men cohabitating with women in an unholy and unnatural union. Now, this is a difficult one for our minds to wrap our brains around because we don't hear much of this. This is both of these things, and as we've talked about, and I want to reiterate this, whether you hold to view one or view two, or whether you might even hold to view three, which I don't address in this booklet because not many hold to it because it's, well, it's it's not great. Uh, it's just that uh, the view three would be this, if you are curious, it's not in your booklet, but if you are curious, view three of the sons of God is that they were um, rich rulers, men who were landowners, if you will, powerful government leaders, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, I don't think there's as much merit to that. Nevertheless, what we come to is this, whether you hold to either one of these views whether it's the righteous lineage marrying the unrighteous and you think that's what what causes these problems and God says I must judge the world or if you think that there's an unholy union between uh, the the spiritual world and the physical world uh, nevertheless these things are not going to get you to heaven or hell right there can be some room for disagreement over it and it's perfectly okay because nevertheless what we find is this whether it was this or whether it was that God said enough is enough right Sin and God's uh, taking on and and long-suffering towards whatever sin this is, he had finally said, enough's enough, because in the very next few verses after this section, which we'll get into in another booklet, God sees the wickedness, was very great, and he goes, okay, judgment's got to come, right? Now, as we get into this, we talked about last week to start, looking at the word sons of God itself, In the Hebrew, it is the ben Elohim. Elohim is a very word for God. Ben, meaning the sons of. It is only used five times in the Old Testament. We have Genesis 6, 2 and 4. Job, chapter 1, verse 6, chapter 2, verse 1, and chapter 38, verse 7. And if you go and you look at those ones in Job, it is referencing spiritual or angelic beings. Now, we have to understand this. When we talk about the spiritual world, we're talking about many things that have some mystery to it. If you and I were to do this, right, um, let me me give an example here. This chair, what color is it? All right, let's try this again. What color is it? Red, all right. How many legs does it got? It ain't got legs. It ain't a person. No, no, I'm just kidding. No, it's got four legs, right? It's got a back to it, right? It's got a wide cushion. You could measure how wide this is. Y'all know how many inches wide this is? This many, all right? Y'all know how many inches tall it is? That, that many, right? You can find some things about this, can't you, that are definite. And you can fathom it. Why? Because it's physical. You can see it. You can feel it. You could taste it, touch it, hear it, right? right? You know this is a chair. Now, if that chair wasn't there, and I was telling you, right here is a chair. Isn't that nice? It's a good-looking chair, isn't it? What color is it? right clear maybe that's pretty good answer right that's worth a gold star sticker right there but you look at you go well pastor joe there ain't a there ain't a chair there there's one over there because we just looked at we could see it You can't see this one now if we think about this what we're trying to do here is understand the spiritual realm that our physical eyes cannot grasp right we're dealing with something that has some mystery to it Because I cannot fathom all of the spiritual realm. How many of y'all believe that there are angels that are very real, that follow the Lord, right? That are servants of the Lord. I do too. But in order to believe that too, we also have to understand that according to the Bible, if there's angels that are good, that means that there's angels that are bad. We call them fallen angels or or demons, right? Uh, They have other uh, words and things that, that describe them. Now, how many of y'all believe that they are real? Both parties, mind you, angels and demons, that's the words that we'll use here, are very real. You believe angels and demons are real? Do you believe that they're very active? Absolutely, right? One's for good, one's not for good. One's for your good, another one's not for your good. How many of you would say that they are active in the world around us right now? I would too, right? The Bible talks about this in Ephesians. Uh, dealing with the spiritual uh, battle and warfare, that there's this sort of uh, division of uh, principalities and powers, rules of darkness and things of that nature, right? Dealing with those wicked angels. Now, how many of them are there? Well, we read in Revelation this past Sunday morning that there's ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands of thousands. It's the idea of an innumerable host. But we know that out of that innumerable host, there's a third of them that fell with Satan. Now, how, of, how many is a third of those fallen? Still to you and I, how much is a third of an innumerable host? It's much more than I could ever count, right? So this means to tell us that there is a great deal of demonic activity in the world, and there always has been. Now this has to bring us to understand that the demonic world, would you say this tonight, all right? That the spiritual realm can affect the physical realm. I would. Let me put it this way. Do you believe that prayer changes things? I do too. Well, that's the spiritual changing the physical, right? And so we find this, that the demonic world is able to manipulate. You guys read in the Gospels about how uh, the demo- uh, there, there would be demon-possessed people. Even uh, one case where there was legion, for we are many. And, and, and they say to Jesus, send us over in that swine. And there's a couple thousand swine that then go plummeting themselves into a, into a lake and, and kill themselves. So is that manipulating the physical world? Absolutely. So we've got to understand here that the spiritual, though cannot be seen with physical eyes, yet the effects of such can be seen. We can see that the spiritual world is always at work. And now the demonic world is a part of that realm. We see as we look here at this sort of uh, support, if you will, for the sons of God being demonic influences of some degree. Now, you, we're going to get into this tonight a little bit uh, about this idea of what this means. Now, the, these are some deep, dark mysteries, but these are some deep, dark truths that we have to wrestle with because we have got to understand that there are very real angels and demons. There is a very real spiritual battle taking place. The only way that you and I ever sort of picture these things, when we picture the devil, we picture, for me at least, I picture Tom and Jerry, right? Tom and Jerry cartoons, the devil always shows up. He's got red skin, he's got red pointy uh, horns and a pitchfork and a big long red tail, it's got a point to the end of it. And what you have happened was, if Tom or Jerry's thinking something good or bad, right, you got the little angel over top, you got little... Uh, Angel Jerry, you know, we've got a little halo in the wings, and on the other side is, is the, the demon version, and he's telling them bad things, right? This isn't what we're looking like, right? We're talking about something that is far more scary than a cartoon. We're talking about something that is even much more powerful than the physical world around us. Much more powerful than you or I. Now, when we look at this, as we pick up here tonight, Kidner writes, there's possible New Testament support for angels here as the sons of God. Now, understand this as spiritual beings. These are the demonic world. Fallen angels. That it may be seen in 1 Peter 3.19 and verse 20, also in 2 Peter. We'll get to those in just a moment. Where the fallen angels, the flood, and the doom of Sodom from a series that could be based on Genesis and in Jude 6, we'll get to that in a little bit as well, where the angels offense is that they left their proper habitation. The craving of demons for a body evident in, is evident in the Gospels offers at least some parallel to this hunger for sexual experience. You and I in the physical world, we have a natural, and this is what is interesting, the physical being, the physical human being has a natural desire for spiritual things. Even non-Christians, even the Atheist today has a desire for spiritual things. There's a constant search for truth, a constant search for purpose, a constant search for something higher, more grand, more powerful, a constant search for something to be accountable to, a constant search for, for reason, right? A constant search as well for the answers to the questions of who are we, why are we here, where are we going when we leave here, what, what happens when I die physically, right? But we also find this, that here these fallen angels appear to be having the opposite desire. They're spiritual beings without physical bodies. But yet we find in the Gospels them taking on physical bodies, but they're not their own. Demon possession. And I believe that demon possession is still very real today, mind you. We often think that it ended in Jesus' day. It was just a a thing in the Gospels that we read about. It's very much still real today. But there there is a terrible issue of our day, though. There is a romanticizing of demon possession. Now you say, how is is it viewed as a good thing or or romanticized? Do you know how many movies have been out about demon possession? One of the top TV shows on mainstream networks is a show called Lucifer. And it's about how Lucifer, Satan, comes to the earth in bodily form and has sexual relations and manipulations and all sorts of things. Millions of viewers every week for years. Now, we've got to understand, it's very alive and very real today. And people don't bat an eye at it. We, they pay money to go watch these programs. They sit and they binge watch these things and think nothing of it. But this is stuff that should frighten the world. This is not good. To romanticize evil, that's the society which we're living in. Now, if we understand the days of Noah, what was happening in the days of Noah? The same thing, romanticizing evil, dating evil, marrying evil, acting as if evil isn't evil. It is what Judges talks about where, where what is good men called bad and what is bad men called good. Every man did that which is right in his own eyes. And when man does that which is right in his own eyes, he will naturally be inclined to do that which is evil. To do that which goes against what he was designed for. The spiritual wants the physical. And the physical wants the spiritual. Now, the demonic possession, if we think about this, demon possession in the Gospels that we see, actual um, accounts of such, that's not the demon's natural state, is it? No. His natural state was to be an angelic being, but he's gone lower and lower and lower. And what he's now done is when we see demonic possession in the Bible, is that they're taking on a form of which they do not have on their own. This means that what they are doing is unnatural, unholy. It is wicked. It's vile to think of such. To manipulate the physical world. It's not their habitation. It's not their place. It's unnatural for them. Now, the demonic world always goes as an anti-type of God's program and against God's order. Think about this. From the very beginning, what does the devil do? God says, thou shalt not eat of this tree, lest ye die. And the devil immediately gives the counter to that. Did God really say that you'll die? Did God really say such a thing, right? Think about this. The devil is not so much creating his own sort of message is he's taking the message that God gives and altering it. He's giving it wrapped up with a different colored paper. He's taking something that's been given and manipulating to where what was meant for good is now evil and what was right is, is now wrong, but it, it gives the outward appearance of being good. Notice the correlation though as well with Sodom and, and the sinful desire of the people. Uh, in Genesis 18, verses 1-22 to 22, uh, and then as well, chapter 19, with the actual destruction, the men that are referenced in those passages are angelic beings sent from God to judge the city and rescue righteous Lot. They walked, they eat, they talk, they touch, and they are lusted over. Now, we'll get into more detail later down the road, but when you read Genesis 18, you see, uh, maybe at the subtitle of your of the chapter, three visitors, Right? It appears that one is the Lord himself in bodily form talking to Abraham face to face. It appears that the other two are clearly angelic messengers and they went to go destroy the city, to go rescue Lot. But they sat, they walked, they talked, they ate, they touched, and they were lusted over, which clearly shows that they had a physical form, a physical body. And that means either one of two things. Either those angels appeared in physical bodies or put on physical bodies for a temporary time. In order to eat, think about this. People talk about, well, how can the spiritual do such? Y'all remember that Jesus had resurrected already? And what did he do after he was resurrected? He sat down on a beach with his disciples and ate fish. He ate. So I know at least one thing with our resurrected bodies we're going to do. We're at least going to eat fish. If you don't like fish now, you'll like it then. It's going to be glorified fish for all I know. I don't. Know. <laughs> Nevertheless, right? We see that there is some change, there's some manipulation there, that they're able to do something that seems unnatural. Now, we'll go into more detail of the Sodom and Gomorrah account with those angelic beings and why they had on bodies and and that whole issue in sinfulness when we get into our comments on Genesis 6-4 regarding the giants in the earth in those days, all right? And you'll see why later on. Now, the spiritual world can clearly manipulate the physical and appears to man. Hebrews 13.2 talks about this. Unless you see angels, entertain angels unaware. Now there are some who hold that to mean only messengers of God, but certainly the uh, uh, implication is that of angelic beings that we would never know. Now, not to be too crazy or anything here, but I've heard plenty of stories of folks who See somebody or have been in, in an issue or a time of trouble and they're brought out of the trouble and then the person that brought them out is nowhere to be found. I can't explain those things. I can't. We don't fully understand these things with our physical brains. And I think that it's okay to not understand. I think we would be more foolish to say that we understand every jot and tittle of the scripture Because I I can dive deeper and deeper in this book, and this is why I love what God has called and allowed me to do, to study His Word for a living. Can y'all believe that y'all pay me to study the Bible? (laughs) I mean, it's great, but I can never exhaust it. And so the deeper we go, the more I realize how little I actually know. And that's a good thing. Now, let's look here. MacDonald writes, the main objection to this view is that angels don't reproduce sexually as far as we know. Matthew 22.30 is used to prove that Jesus taught that the angels don't marry. That's what the verse says. But he says in that verse specifically, what the verse actually says, however, is that the angels in heaven neither marry nor are given in marriage. Specifically dealing with those who are in heaven. Well, where are those demonic beings that were cast from heaven? Well, they're not in heaven, are they? So clearly it sees that they are wanting to do something wicked, something vile, something perverted. Now I want you to hold your place here in Genesis. We're going to turn to those passages in First and Second Peter and Jude as well. and we're going to see what these are talking about. So turn with me if you can to First Peter chapter number three real quick. First Peter chapter number three. Here in First Peter chapter number three, uh, Peter's been writing, dealing with different conduct and how people are to, to act and to deal with things, um, to deal with persecution and suffering. Verse eighteen he picks up and he says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins the just the unjust, they might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls were saved. By water, the like figure were unto even baptism doth. And he goes through here. We find that in these verses, it seems that there's these spirits who are locked away in prison. Why would these spirits be locked away in prison? They've done something wrong. They've done something exponentially wrong to even get them locked up and have the key thrown away, if you will, right? That they were disobedient, and he talks about in the days of Noah. Isn't that interesting? Now, if you flip over about a page or so, 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter's writing specifically against false prophets. Those who are preaching and teaching false gospels, false ideologies, false theology, false doctrine, right? He's preaching against half the TV preachers, right? Now here's what he gets at, though. He's talking about how they're going to continue on their way, but God's going to bring, going to bring about judgment. God will only let it go on but so far. And I do thank God for that. Verse 4, here's what he says. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world. What's the old world? That's the pre-flood world. How do I know? Because he says, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world. Of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. There's that reference back between the old world and the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah again. We'll get into that here in verse number four. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. Jude then tells us this. All these must be taken together here. 1 Peter, 2 Peter, Genesis 6. Now, over in Jude, over, over a few pages here, right before you get to Revelation, Jude's just one, one letter, one chapter here. But here we pick up in verse 5, it says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Here what is clearly seen is that these demonic beings have sinned and that the sin happened Around the time of Noah. And as well happened around the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now there's some clearly couple things. One, we know it's a sexual perverted sin. There's some sort of sexual issue happening. Now you and I know Sodom and Gomorrah as normally uh, the destruction for homosexuality is what what most people refer to as. I believe that we're going to address that when we get into verse four. But there's something deeper here, I believe. We'll get into it in in much more detail, but what it seems to be is the deeper sexual sin here is the physical having sexual relations with the immaterial or even in this way, the fallen angels leaving their habitation, as Jude talked about, leaving their natural estate and desiring uh, strange flesh and, and causing others to sin putting on flesh and having sexual union with mankind. Now, if that's the case, that's some serious sickness. That's some serious sin that we're talking about here. Kinley writes, Given their corrupt nature, there is no higher demonic delight than to pervert God's design for His beloved humanity. Through their deviant sexual unions, these demons attempted to mimic what God Himself had done, to create a being in their own image, They would try and duplicate what His creation, humans and animals, could do. Reproduce after their own kind. This was a second attempt to make themselves like the Most High. Remember, all that the demonic and uh, fallen angelic world does is to go against what God has ordered. To go against what God has decreed and ordained. They go against the natural laws and states of what they're supposed to live like. Furthermore, Guzik writes, we can deduce why Satan sent his angels to enter Mary, either directly or indirectly. There is mystery to this, right? We go, how did it happen? Did they put on flesh? Did they uh, possess? uh, Was it demon possession that caused this to happen, to have these relations with women? Or what we find here is with human women, Satan tried to pollute the genetic pool of mankind with a satanic corruption, to put something like a genetic virus to make the human race unfit for bringing forth the seed of the woman, the Messiah, promised in Genesis 3.15. Think about this. Jesus is the perfect seed, right? He was not born of man and woman, was he? No. We just talked about this all Christmas long. He was born of a virgin mother. No one else had ever been. No one else ever will be, Right? We see that He is the God-Man. But as well, because He is the perfect seed, He's the perfect Savior. If Jesus isn't virgin-born, then He can't be the Messiah. This is why there is no other Messiah. Nor could there be another Messiah. Now, because He's the perfect seed and the perfect Savior, because He's truly God, fully God, fully man, that is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the fulfillment of God's promise, His Word to us. Who's the fulfillment of God's provision. His work for us. He does what we cannot do. He does what Adam failed to do. He obeys instead of disobeys. And brings us into the presence of God, which is the will of God that we would live in His presence. That's what we were designed to do. Boyce writes, The Savior could not be born of a demon-possessed mother. So if Satan could succeed." In infecting the entire race, the Deliverer could not come. What do you think the devil's ultimate goal is? Well, certainly we look to be like the Most High, but because he's failed to do so, what is his job that he's trying to do and accomplish on this earth right now? Seeking whom he may devour. But specifically, before Christ came, what was his goal? To make sure Christ wouldn't come. You say, well, how's that so? Let's think about this. In the Old Testament... Find nations that were pagan in their culture and belief that supported Israel. Not there. They were against Israel. Often fighting them. Even bringing them into captivity and destroying them. Why? Ultimately, because the devil goes, If I can destroy God's chosen people, that means that God's chosen Messiah cannot come. How about this today? The same is is to be seen in our own modern world. We see it all around us today. What the devil continues to do is to keep people from seeing Jesus Christ as the Messiah. That's his goal. And then all he'll do for those that are saved is to keep them from depending upon the Messiah for the rest of their life. To, to put doubts and seeds of doubt and discouragement in their minds and their hearts. To draw them away from what they know to be true. He is always at work in these things. Now, Guzik continues, he says, "...it is useless to speculate on the nature of this union, whether it was brought about by something like demon possession, or whether these angelic beings had power uh, permanently to assume the form of men is not revealed. But we should understand the occult is filled with sexual associations with the demonic, and there are those today who actively pursue such associations." There are those today who seek their power from the demonic world, who seek their power from the devil himself. You and I hear about selling your soul to the devil, right? We went down to the crossroads, right? Now, with this, we think this is sort of just mythology. We think this is something that is just, oh, well, it's just sort of not really real. People can't actually sell their soul to the devil. People won't actually commit their lives to living for the devil or darkness, hogwash they will. Absolutely will. Now, if we understand that much, think about this. We all said and agreed earlier that the spiritual world can affect the physical. That the demonic can even take on the physical form. Whether it be humans or even going into that herd of swine. I want to give you a couple of examples of this. Um... Over in Acts chapter 16, there's an account of a girl. It says in verse 16, and it came to pass as we went to prayer a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination. What is that? What's divination? This is what you and I would find today. Y'all ever been driving down a country road somewhere or even in the city, wherever you might be, and you find a, a little a little shop, and outside it says psychic readings or Tarot card readings, those sorts of things, Um, or connect with your dead relatives. Y'all know what that is? That's divination. It's necromancy. It's wickedness. How can people do that? Well, number one, much of it is a fraud to get, get your money, right? First of all, there's that. I remember growing up, and there was an infomercial for this Jamaican lady. I don't even remember her name. I, y'all might remember, it might not be my, but she had that hat on and she'd have her number at the bottom of TV, come on late at night. And she'd tell you, if you call this number, I'll tell you about this and I'll tell you about that. I'll, I remember that as a kid. And, uh, but th- these things are very real. Much of it is a fraud, but to those things that do this sort of thing, how about this? You ever heard of a, a Ouija board? Now you go, well, it can be manipulated. Sure, anything can be manipulated. But there's an awful lot to these things and opening up of oneself to the demonic world to speak to the dead, to speak to spiritual things that cannot be seen, or to have those non-seen spiritual things affect the the physical, I can tell you this, you're not talking anything good. That stuff's demonic. Your your, uh, astrological signs, tarot cards, all these different things, it's demonic stuff. The demonic world truly is all around us. This is why we've got to guard ourselves. But I'll tell you this, we are so desensitized to these things because we're so used to seeing it everywhere. This is like I've said before, if you go into a Barnes & Noble or a Books A Million, you'll find the Christian section, and it's hardly Christian at all. And right next to it, you've got the continued religion and philosophy section, and you'll have a whole giant row of stuff that is dealing with um, Enneagrams, magic, spell books, gemstones. I mean, we've got a place right down the road in Galax selling these things, right? You, you can find it anywhere. You can find these mystical, spiritual, pagan things that are demonic in their nature and root. It's everywhere. We've got to be able to see it, though. Now here this spirit of divination met with, met us which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. This young lady was held captive, one, to the demonic spirit possessing her that gave her this ability. It's a supernatural ability ability to have the divination of what she had. This is much more than, you know, playing blackjack and counting cards at a casino. This is something that is supernatural where she's able to say things that no human person could ever know or do. It says that brought about much too, saying she's, Possessed by the the demonic spirit of divination. She has these masters who are abusing her and using her for gain and money. She's crying out and all these things. And it says that Paul turns around and said, uh, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw it, that the hope of their gain was gone, they caught Paul and Silas, drew them into the uh, marketplace unto rulers because they realized, well, shoot, she's no longer possessed by a demon. So we can't make no money off of her. You go over a few more pages in in the book of Acts and you find another example of the demonic world influencing the physical. Acts chapter 19. Y'all ever heard of the sons of Siva? Right? Acts 19 verse 13 says, Then certain of the vagabond Jews exorcists. Y'all ever heard of exorcism? Right? Uh, My my dad told me the story a million times about when he was a little boy, he wanted to go see that movie when it come out in theaters, right? He wanted to go see The Exorcist when it came out, right? He thought he was big and tough and wouldn't be afraid of nothing, right? He goes to see it. He said, I made about 20 minutes into that thing. But long before anything happened, he's, we're at the drive-in theater. I look over at my grandpa who's, who's you know, gone on to be with the Lord and, and looks at him and goes, I want to go home. <laughs> so grandpa takes him on home and get, gets out of there. But you see, uh, the, the this idea is not just a Hollywood scheme. Right? These things were happening. And it wasn't just was happening in Jesus' day, nor in the Acts of Apostles' day. demonic world is very much out there. Now, I do, do believe that there's a lot of folks out there who get a part of the charismatic persuasion and think every little thing that's got a devil in them. You bump your toe on the coffee table and you go, oh, that thing's filled by the devil. No, it's not. You just weren't watch, watch, watch where you're going, right? I, I remember being in, in Nicaragua. I was 15. And, and the other group that was there along with us, they were very charismatic from, I believe, Arkansas. And uh, there'd be just regular old street dogs. There's street dogs everywhere in Nicaragua. And they'd bark. And they'd go, In the name of Jesus, come out, demon. I mean, they thought the dogs were demon possessed. They thought everything was demon possessed. They thought we were demon possessed. I mean, because we were just Baptists, we were just what we were, right? And and there can be an extreme to this, but yet I'll tell you this: the, the very same time saw some very spooky things. My time there, at when I went there, I had a couple of cameras that were just disposable. Y'all remember those, right? The click, click, right? Uh, and, and I took. Lots of pictures everywhere. And this one particular place we went and we had sort of a, like a youth rally sort of thing at like a church building. And later on when I got the pictures, they were the only pictures messed up in all of my, all of my uh, pictures from my trip. He said, well, uh, coincidence. Well, I can tell you this. On those pictures, it had a, a fog, a haze on the bottom of each one about, about knee high and below. Now at that place, on that day, as we're praying for people and giving the Gospel and, and praying for people as they came forward, a young lady was brought into the, the side entrance. And it would be like this, this side door right here. All right? We're praying up this way right, for people that are coming and we're asking, you know, talking to the interpreters what, what can we pray for and all those things. Talking to people about the Gospel. This young lady was brought in And let out the most blood-curdling of screams you'll ever hear, right? I mean, when you hear it, it's one of those you just, it it sticks with you and it it changes the atmosphere, if you will, right? You ever been in a church service where you're like, the Lord's here, right? It's just thick with His presence, and that's good, isn't it? Now, I want you to imagine the very opposite of it. Where you're like, this isn't, something's dark here. Same, same thing. To watch someone's body contort in ways and, and to scream a, a guttural thing that it, it, it can't be explained. It can't really be put into words. These are things that I read about in the Gospels. I'm going, I've heard about it in the movies and seen it in the movies, and, and then you see it and you're like, something's not right here. The demonic world is real. Here there were exorcists. In Acts 19, it says they took upon them to call over uh, them which had evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. Be very careful with how bold you think you can be. Be very careful with how strong you think you are spiritually. It says, And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so." so. They called themselves exorcists. It says, and the evil spirit answered. Because they're going to talk. And it's a spooky thing. And said, Jesus I know. Paul I know. But who are ye? Who who are y'all? It says, and the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them. How many boys are there? There's Evan. Seven against one, you think seven ought to win, don't you? But the demon-possessed man wins out. It says he overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. That shows you that there's some power there. Great destruction, great evil. The reason why I give those examples and bring it to this is for us to understand that in Genesis 6, We've got a couple options here. Either one, it's option one. It's a righteous lineage marrying an unrighteous lineage. And God says, no, that's not going to work. It's not good. It produces wickedness, idolatry, immorality. And it does, by the way. We see that later on in, in, in the, the Pentateuch, in Deuteronomy. And throughout the Bible, we see this, you know, even in the New Testament, that, that uh, darkness has no business with light, and light has no business with darkness. And how can we yoke together? And that we should not be unequally yoked. We see those things. But then we also see if the interpretation is view number two where this is the spiritual world and these are either demon-possessed men who are having relations with these women or demonic-influenced women, that there is this sort of uh, wicked spiritual perversion that's taking place here, this unholy union. And we find that that's just as wicked, isn't it? If not, it seems to be a sin that's even ex exponentially more wicked because of what it would what it would mean it goes contrary to man's nature to reproduce uh, one uh, husband and one wife right it goes contrary to that and it would go contrary to what the angel was even meant to do that he's now putting on flesh when he's not supposed to let alone having sexual relations when he's not supposed to we find nevertheless tonight, and we'll, we'll bring this to a close, so we won't get into, chapter, uh, into verse 3 tonight. What we find is that there is a great sin taking place. And God is about to say enough's enough. As a matter of fact, in verse 3, that's what we get at. God is going to show, alright, I've had my fill. Now this is a reminder for you and I tonight about this. We talked about tonight some of the way in which we see the world around us, don't we? You can look up today and see the practice of sexual paganism and sexual relations with the demonic world, the occult, spiritism, Eastern religion. Constant, these things are demonic. If we see this all around us, and they saw it in his day, it should tell us one thing. Judgment is coming. And it's coming to those who do not trust the Lord. That God will no longer be mocked. And that day is coming. It should bring us to a place of having a burden because there are people today who were absolutely snared and enslaved by the devil himself. I want you to realize that today. There are plenty of people who are demonically oppressed or demonically possessed. And either one is not good. There are people who are without Christ and need to know Jesus. Because only Jesus can deliver from the demonic world. Only Jesus can deliver from the occult. Only Jesus can deliver from uh, a life of of debauchery and sinfulness or, or drugs or alcohol or pornography or whatever it might be. And all of those things are vices of the demonic world. Do not think that they're not. So we've got to understand, and tonight as we bring this to a close, I want us to get to the place... And myself included. When we see the world, I get disgusted. Don't y'all? I do, right? I think we can be honest enough with that. I, I, we can even be honest enough tonight. I can tell you this. I get angry at the world, don't you? Right? I find myself getting angry, fed up. Matt, how could they do this? Right? They don't know. But it makes me also have to look at my own sin and go, how could I do this? Right? Because I know better. I've been delivered from darkness. How can I live in it any longer? I've been delivered from sin. Why should I live as if it's still my master? And it should also bring me to the place where if God was long-suffering with those souls, should we not too be long-suffering? God is about to bring about judgment, but He's also about to offer mercy and salvation. today, I don't know how long we've got until the Lord says, enough's enough. But I know that we have today. And so with every moment that we've got, we've got to have a heart that says, time is short, judgment is sure, and souls are at stake. And so may we have a heart that prays. May we have eyes that are open to the demonic influences around us so that we can discern and protect ourselves, and also protect those that we love, especially our young people and our our young believers. And may we sincerely pray that God would give sight to these blind individuals, that they might see the glory of the gospel and be saved from these things, saved from the demonic world that holds them so tightly, that they might be delivered to a new and better master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. We're grateful that we could study your word. And Lord, while tonight we look at a verse like this and, a, and, a, and a, a passage like this, Lord, we have to come and approach it so humbly, Lord, because truly there is much mystery. Ne- nevertheless, what we find is that there's a great deal of sin, but Lord, we, there is also a great deal of grace that you've given, a great deal of mercy, Lord. Your, your mercy is extended to, to those who sin. Your mercy extended to us tonight. And Lord, help us tonight to have hearts that are able to see the grace and mercy that we received in Christ that we might have eyes that see and discern the evil and demonic influence around us that we might have our own flesh our own mind our own hearts protected as well as to be able to protect others around us that we might see that we are living in dark days but nevertheless while we are in this dark world that we might shine as lights for Christ Lord we love you we thank you for this time we thank you for your word Lord, we even thank You for the mysteries of Your Word, that we might be able to dive deeper and deeper into a knowledge of You. And Lord, that one day, the moment that we see You face to face and our eyes meet, Lord, that there won't be a, a question on our heart or our mind any longer, and it'll all be worth it. We'll get to see You, and, and Lord, truly, we'll be able to, to have all these things that, that boggle our minds taken care of in an instant and in a moment. Lord, And we long and look forward to that day to see You. Watch over us, guide and rank us, and use us till we may meet again. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right guys, just a reminder, hope to see you Sunday morning and uh, next this coming Sunday night will be our vision night and then business